By his own assessment, Wayne Gladigo is just a part of the furniture. Arriving in 1974, just five years after the club was formed, it wouldn't take long for Glads to become entwined into the very fabric of Adelaide Lutheran. Not just for his on-field accomplishments, but also for the mountain of work off-field he has and still does. A four-time Premiership footballer and long-serving member of the cricket club, he has a story or two to tell, but that story is still being written to this day. Glads might also be Adelaide Lutheran's biggest glutton for punishment for his time served in various committee and administrative roles. He is the lifeblood of any amateur sports club. He is Wayne Gladigo. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Bulldog For Me podcast, the outrageously successful Bulldog For Me podcast. Already global, already trending. Yeah. Smash Spotify records, I think. Um, I'm your host, James Zubernich. Um, here are my co-host, Scott Babolka. Good evening, everyone, or good morning. <laughs> yeah, depending on when you're listening. listening. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, second cab off the rank, Wayne Gladigo. Welcome. Well, thank you. Welcome to my second home. Yeah. Yeah, by the way, we're in Glads' house here and it's pretty sweltering in here, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> She's a freezing night outside. Yeah. She's uh, like the Caribbean in here at the moment. Yeah, uh, we'll manage. All right, so Glads, you can actually take some satisfaction in knowing that the genesis for this podcast was actually me thinking about you. Well. Yeah, I know. So I'm looking around the club, right, and I'm like, you know, there's Brer, there's, there's Duds, there's Mick. But then there's even current people, right? Like, you know, there's Darf, um, there's Widow over there. And I'm, I was thinking to myself, like, I know these people, but I don't know any of their stories. Um, specifically some of the, um, you know, older blokes like yourself at the club. And probably a lot of the current players aren't aware of, like, what everyone's done. Um, so that's why I thought maybe a podcast would be a good way to get these stories out there. So then we're all more aware of everything we've done, right? Yep. Um, but, you know, look, elephant in the room question... What happened to the pinky finger? So for those who can't see, Glad's on his yeah. right hand. He's got a pinky <laughs> finger going <laughs> 90 degrees, and that is not an exaggeration. Right. Is that an old sports injury? Is that a work yep. injury, or how did that happen? Yep, everyone knows about my pinky finger. Oh, Jesus Christ. When I was 13... Just mic up to your mouth a bit more. When I was 13, um, I wrote in the school... Um, yearbook. Yep. My favourite pastime was playing with my little finger, my <laughs> dislocated little finger. I did it playing junior colts, and uh, then I found out that I could um, dislocate it myself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it became a, a good party trick. Oh, and uh, I've lived with it ever since. I've I've had an I've had one operation. I had the tendons. The, the tendon is gone on one side completely. <laughs> I had the tendons tied together and then uh, it lasted for about six months and I uh, went back to the surgeon and the surgeon said, well, uh, that's bad luck, next time we'll, we'll graft a, a new tendon and I said, no, I'm not doing that <laughs> and I've lived with it ever since. So Yeah, right. So I played every game of footy with my... How'd that go with like marking and stuff? Did you even notice it or...? Uh, I played every game of footy with, with my finger strapped. Yeah, yeah. right, yeah. righto. And, um, you know, I had special little elastics made up to, to uh, strap it for training. And, yeah, that's how I survived. All right, well, everyone will be better off knowing now because I, I didn't want to, you know, go straight to that, but I felt <laughs> like I had to, you know. So, 
Anyway, Box, you're up. Um, yeah, so you, you arrived uh, here in Adelaide from a farm in Mali uh, to study at SAIT, which is now UniSA, uh, in 1974. Correct. Um, by the sounds of it, a chance conversation with some uni buddies uh, led you to finding your way to Adelaide Lutheran. Um, so talk to us about how you actually got to Lutheran. Who are these, who are these friends? What kind of convinced you to come out? Okay, yeah, that's all correct. I was brought up on a farm. I came to Adelaide to study town planning, um, which is a bit of a uh, strange sort of uh, connection planning, with farming. Yeah. But um, uh, it was my second choice. I was going to be a teacher. I, I had to put down another um, another topic, so I, I picked town planning. Uh, and I had to make a choice between the two. Town planning was at the old Institute of Technology, um, based in North Terrace, and they had a footy team. And uh, that, that was much more convenient for me where I was living at the time, so Absolutely. I went for town planning. <laughs> <laughs> and I went to play for the SAIT Toads, the Green Toads, okay. uh, based at Mawson Lakes, where we, we've played recently. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, but they trained at the um, the old railways oval, the Karen Rolton oval, so oh, it was no all way. very yeah, convenient. Right. Yeah. So I walked to training, and it was awful. I absolutely hated it. I wasn't, um, I didn't feel welcome. Um, it was very clicky, and I, I was never a great trainer anyway. But I just thought, no, this is not what uh, footy is all about, and. Um, I, I went a couple of times actually, and the second time was was worse. Uh, and I decided that I didn't want to play footy. I was mad keen on playing footy, and uh, and then I met. Uh, then I um, I mentioned it to a couple of my town planning buddies, and one of them was a guy called Rod Matushka. And Rod, uh, or Scum, as we used to call him, <laughs> Jeez. Um, he never played for Adelaide Lutheran. He was one, he was one of the greatest off field. Guys that we had, yeah, he, he was a team manager and secretary and did many, many off-field things. But he, he told me about Adelaide Lutheran and I'd never heard about it. Um, of course, back then there was no such thing as social media. And yeah. um, so, yes, so I... And, and, and they were um, playing at the time at the Dawes Road High School and um, that was, was quite inconvenient to get there. I think about four buses, um, but I, I eventually made it one night, and I immediately was made to feel welcome. Yep. The first person I met was AJ Cowold, that's TK's yep. dad, yep. and um, he. We got changed together, and uh, and he took me out to the oval, and uh, um, the coach, who was Vic Fitzner at the time, he immediately stopped training or stopped circle work because that's. Well, you did. Well, you did oh, back then. we did back yep. then. He stopped the circle work and um, introduced me to everyone and said, you know, I want everyone to make yourself known. And, you know, and, that, and, and they did. The rest um, is history. And the rest is history. I virtually never, ever had to uh, take the buses again. <laughs> um, I got rides to yeah. training and matches right. and I was immediately felt welcome. And that sort of, yeah, that culture, I think, uh, of the club has, has continued through 
Definitely. No, definitely. I remember my first couple of years at the <coughs> at um, Adelaide Luther and I was living at St Anne's and had Lockie Richter just living around the corner at the SEM. Um, yep. mm-hmm. And had, they used to have a, a dinner and a dessert quite much earlier, about 5.30. We had ours at 6. Um, so I used to have saved tea, put away for myself. Um, and then... Uh, before footy, uh, Lockie would come along with like a full plate of dinner and dessert for myself to eat in the car before I get to footy training. Um, so many a pudding was had, but also just had the horrible side effect that you, you do your f- first warm up lap and your just guts are churning after that <laughs> yeah, first right. one. But um, I mean, yeah, that exact same thing. Like they're still like sticking through right till now. Yes. Um, and we'll get back to um, Dawes Road and some of those teammates a bit later on. Yes. Um, but I asked a. Uh, Former teammate and coach yours, Kevin Bell. Ah, asked, yes. I asked him about you. Um, now, self-assessment's hard, right? It's really hard to evaluate yourself. People feel awkward about it. But when I asked him about you, th- this is a quote from him. He goes, uh, Wayne was a skilled, classy wingman, much like Brent Riley from the Adelaide Crows. So how flattering is that? Wow. He also went on to say you were more of an outside player, but courageous in the contest. So... How does that sit with you, Glads? Is that an that's, accurate assessment? That's not bad, actually. That pretty well sums it up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, a, I, I was an outside player. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I was pretty wiry back then and I, you know, I didn't mind getting into the, into the packs. Did you think of it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, Bulks. When, he, when Kevin, you know, wrote that to me, I'm reading that and I just think, gee, you know, that's me. Yep. That's real damn zoom. Well, exactly, exactly. If you if if you ask me the question about you know who um, I was um, similar to in the in the current playing field, I would say you zoobs. Yeah. Oh, oh, there you go. look at that. That's very flattering, especially the skilled, classy wingman bit. That's yeah. the bit <laughs> I sort of really strongly identified but I was, with. I was never as fit as you. <laughs> that was my my uh, my problem. Well, if you've got no skills, Glads, you, the minimum is you be fit. That's, that's what I figure. <laughs> so like, the 70s, we'll stay in that era, is a pretty successful um, period for the club. Uh, four premierships uh, that you played in. Was it 74 in the B grade, 75, 76 and 79 in the A grade? Yep. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, so you were for a long time, about 40 years, I think it was, the club's only four-time premiership player. That's correct. Uh, before Matt Dicker, Richo, Mark Richardson, uh, Trevor Jenke or Monkey all caught up with you. Um, there is a couple of others in recent times that have also joined that elusive club. But out of those four premierships, uh, which one stands out for you most? Okay. Um, oh, look, they were all very special. The, fir- the first one, obviously, uh, that was that was the first premiership for the club. Yep. And uh, that was huge. It was at Richmond Oval. And um, uh, in my first year... Uh, so yeah, that yeah, that's that's right up there. That's right up there. The second one, um, nineteen seventy-five. That was our first A-grade premiership, and that was also at the Richmond Oval, um, and that was that was quite significant because it was against Port Adelaide Presbyterian, our our old arch rivals. Port, Port Press. Um, uh, the current North Haven Football Club. So um, you know, we we had played. I think 
Adelaide Lutheran had played them in the previous four A-grade grand finals and lost each one. So Yeah, they pop up in that book of yours, which you can, we'll get to a bit later on. They can, pop up yeah, quite a bit it's in there. All, it's all yep. there, yeah. So that was that was pretty significant. And that was – and um, I'll mention the other, other – um, the other two, but I think that's probably out of the four that was my most significant one. Um, I think I was very high in the best players that day. Um, uh, that was in in the peak of my career, basically, and um, um, very very special occasion. Seventy six, the following year, back to back, and it started to get easy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was also very special. And seventy six was actually coached uh, in the end by Kevin Bell, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, um, it was. Uh, um, Kevin had to take over from Vic Fitzner because of work commitments and he did an amazing job getting us all together. Um, and then um, 79 was also very special because that was our first double premiership and for some reason we it was decided that we would have the presentation night on the night of the grand final. Oh, no. So it was a <laughs> huge day. Um, I, was, I was on the committee... Um, you know, we spent, you know, all morning setting up the Paynham Town Hall, going to the Prospect Oval. So you're doing uh, this before you're playing in a yeah, GF? Yeah. Yeah, right. Prospect Oval, seeing a bit of the B grade, preparing for the A grade, winning the two premierships, and then um, quick celebration at the Welly Hotel, which is where we used to hang out in those days, and then um, and then to the Paynham Town Hall for the presentation yeah, night. Right. So it was a big day and a big night. Uh yeah, yeah. I can imagine uh, many a beer was maybe had. Yeah, still a few. Yeah. Um, just for a little sno- side note, you sort of glance, uh, went over it quickly there. Um, we got you down as second best in the 75 Premiership yes. and also in the best for the B-grade Premiership in 74. So yes. big game player, Glads. Well, yeah, as I said earlier, I, that was that was the peak of my career. My, my problem was that I smoked and... Uh, yeah, and uh, and I didn't train a lot, and um, after that, my career went a bit downhill. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, Do you still smoke now? No, no, no. no. I, I, I gave up twenty five years ago. Yeah, good right. man, good man. Good man. Um, but you know, at the time, um, everyone smoked. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and uh, I really—that's one of my greatest regrets. That sure. I, that I did smoke and that it, it severely affected my my career. Yeah, I get social pressures at the time. Like you said, everyone's doing it. Yes. Want to fit in, all that sort of stuff. Yes. Um, so you mentioned Dawes Road uh, a little bit earlier. So you've been uh, – you've seen many iterations of the sports club. Um, you know, you talked about originally you're out at Dawes Road High School yep. um, before moving into the South Parklands in 83. Correct. And then some big renovations in 91, which is that sort of like the front area now as we know it, where the kitchen and that are? It's basically where the club room is. When when we went there in 83, it was just the two change rooms and yep. a small room and toilets and, and showers, et cetera, and a, and a small room at the back. Yeah. The um, In 91, we basically filled – it was an L-shape and we filled in the L-shape right. with, with the where the bar and the – and the club room is now. Um, back then, the rear part of the building was leased to the lacrosse club. So where the kitchen and the, 
the storeroom and the netball area, girls' area, that was, that was used by the Lacrosse Association. So that wasn't available until the late 80s um, and then it was all uh, consolidated and, and we added on in 91. How, how that initial move in 83, like how important was that for the footy club when, at the time? Oh, that, it, yeah, it was huge. Um, uh, the main thing was that we had a home to store our gear. Now, back, back at Dawes Road, it was, it was a school oval mm-hmm. um, and, you know, nice reasonable change rooms like they most, most of them are, but everything was, was portable. Yep. We had a portable canteen. We had a, a siren that you connect to the yeah. battery of your car. <laughs> like a nomadic footy club, really, yep. weren't you? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so just to have a place to store, store all of our gear and to... Um, uh, and to um, congregate was 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 a major thing at the time. It was central, which is also central to most of our players. That um, we still had a lot of SEM students and, and and students that lived in North Adelaide, um, and it had floodlights. Yes, uh, <laughs> which... not not what we've got now, or no. what we. <laughs> it was just. Two little lights, one still on the side of the building. Yep. And there was another one down by the cricket nets, uh, which meant that, uh, yeah, we could actually train a bit longer at night. Well, it's interesting you raise that because um, we're just talking, well, we were thinking, like, could you walk us through what a standard training night back in 74 looked like? Um, and you mentioned there about lights. Um, from what I gather in the book, you used to basically have all train under, you know, street lights. Is that true? Pretty well, yeah. Yep. So, yep, standard training was circle work and more circle work yep. until it got dark. And then uh, we, we might go up by the uh, side of the road and do a bit of handball practice next to the street lights <laughs> <laughs> and then running. Yep, that was pretty well it. And in that time, you still won four premierships. Oh, yes. <laughs> so it shows you can work, right? <laughs> Method to the badness. Yeah. Yes. Widow, take notes. Yes. One thing about uh, just going back to um, the parklands in 83, mm-hmm. we had all those advantages of, of the new venue, but what we, what we ended up with and what we didn't realise at the time was that the oval was awful. Sure. We only had the one oval, the main, the main oval. Mm-hmm. It, wasn't, it, it was just a paddock. It was a paddock with goalposts in it. It, yeah. it wasn't irrigated. So it was hard as a rock in the in the summer, in the start of the season, and then when the rains came, it was a quagmire, <laughs> and there was a lake at the bottom end. Oh, really? The southern end, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Still sort of collects down that end yeah. now, it does. but probably the, not like it did back then would be my guess. And and there was a creek that ran between the road and the building, along, okay, ah. along the side of um, of uh, Goody Road. Goody Road, yep. So. Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty awful, and there was a huge amount of work done. Yeah, in those first uh, five years, uh, to the late eighties, to to get the oval to a reasonable state. It was late eighties we put the bore in, and we started watering. But before that, there were all sorts of uh, um, methods uh, <laughs> tried yep. to. Uh, <laughs> Fix the drainage, and and you can and there's a story about it in the book actually. Stolly wrote a story about yep. the how how good was the oval. I think is the uh, 
<laughs> Question mark yeah. is, is the title of his story. So the Oval now must look like Adelaide Oval compared to oh. what you guys were training on and playing on. Oh. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, um, yeah, it's incredible how much it's improved <laughs> since those early days. Absolutely. Um, so 77, was that the premiership that got away for you guys? I ask because... In 1976, we had BNF winner Steve Eckerman uh, tragically pass away in a car accident halfway through 77. Um, very similar sort of parallels to what we kind of endured last year with Josh Anti-Smith yes. passing away in the pre-season, um, which we touched on last week with, with Duff, with um, Joe Duffield. So how did Steve's passing kind of affect the playing group? Yeah, that's... Um that was a very uh, difficult time and, and a lot of parallels with what happened last year with Josh. Um, but uh, a few differences. One, one was that it was, it was, in the se- it was within the season. Yep. It happened um, on a Sunday morning. He was, he was uh, hit by a train on the way to Murray Bridge before the freeway had gone through on the old Princess Highway. Yep. Um, there was no social media back then, and most most of the guys didn't find out till the Thursday night. Oh wow! And um, I don't I don't think we trained. I, th- I think we might have turned up, but we all went and had a wake somewhere, probably at the Welly. Uh, and there was a there was a strong feeling not to play on the Saturday. We had a game coming up. Yep. Um, but there was also um, there was also a strong feeling about playing. Be, playing for Eck yeah. on yep. the Saturday. So it's what we did. We played against Brighton old, uh, Brighton High Old Scholars on the Saturday and we won quite well and I think that was our grand final. Yeah. Um, the thing was Steve Eck, was, he was our best player. Um, I think he was best on ground the day before he was killed. Right. He was the reigning best and fairest. If he had, if he had played the whole... Uh, well, he, he finished third in the best and fairest, and he only played half the <laughs> half the season. Yeah, right. So, so we got to the grand final in '77 against our old um, arch rivals, Port Press, yeah. and we lost by about 20 points. If Steve Eck had been playing, we might have won. Different story, yeah. So, yeah. So maybe just walk us through who Steve was, because um, a lot of people around the club might not know there was an honour. Uh, there was an award named in his honour. Yeah, back um, then. Yes. So just like obviously he was a talented player, but what else did he mean to the club? Well, he was he was one of the SEM students at the Lutheran SEM. Uh, he was from country New South Wales, so he was a country boy, um, and he was just a lovable lad who. Uh, he was an absolute gun on the on the footy field. He, he couldn't kick. He used to just he used to <laughs> kick these mongrel punts, but yeah. he'd, he'd get forty touches a game playing centre. And uh, yeah, so at the time, as I said, he was our our best player and one of our most loved club members. And for that to happen during the season was yeah heartbreaking. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I mean, interestingly too, you know, there was an award. Named after him for some time. We got the Josh Henty Smith Award now um, in his memoriam as well. So, yeah, it's just very interesting reading that in the book because I could – just so similar in a lot of ways but also, like you said, different at the same time. Yep. There's another great club person I'd love to hear about, which is Gary Fague. So you. for the current playing group, they probably don't know much about Gary. 86 A-grade premiership player, 
former president, A, B and C grade head coach over about a nine-year period, 163 games, played a massive part in the 91 club room extensions. Um, and there, uh, there's a uh, club person, the year award is named in his honour. Um, so I was just hoping you could tell us a little about Fags and, you know, what about him screamed red, white and blue? Yeah, look, Fags was, um, yeah, he was a true club, a, a true club person and uh, it's very fitting that we've now struck that, that, that trophy in his name. Um, you've mentioned his, his uh, contribution. He, he did everything. Um, player, coach, president... Um, worked behind the bar. His wife Sue worked in the kitchen. It was yeah for for twenty five years he uh, he was around all the time. Uh, he was a tiler by trade. I think the original the, the tiles in front of the bar and yep in the the ones that are falling off the urinal. <laughs> he did all that yeah. So uh, yeah, tragically he died of a heart attack in London two years ago um, and. Um, I was, yeah, it happened just before I wrote the book and I've written a, a little tribute to him in there. And I, while we're talking about that, there's also a tribute to John Robertson, Chubo. Yeah. Um, and uh, he he fits all of those um, qualities of, of a great club person who uh, is sadly missed. John's, um, John's jacket is 200... Game jacket, that's the one that's hanging up on the wall next to the Weezy's kitchen, isn't it? That's the one. Yeah, he yeah. was a big guy. He was a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're up, Bulks. Yeah, so I suppose moving on towards cricket, because you probably uh, contributions to cricket rival, if not surpass that of the footy club. Um, and they say stats don't lie. Um, from what I can gather, you're an excellent, excellent cricketer, excellent bowler. 100 wickets at an average of 20. Um, from 118 games. Uh, so talk us through your bowling action. Did you steam off the fence or did you um, just rip it through the rough? Bit of finger spin maybe or <laughs> what was what was your go-to? Okay. They say statistics don't lie but they don't tell the full story. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad you're just talking about my bowling because my batting statistics... Uh, oh, don't worry, we'll get to that. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> That's the, coming up. The average is probably similar. But anyway... Um, my 100th wicket was actually the last ball that I ever bowled for the club. Yeah, right. Um, I played and I, it was when I was about 40, I played for another 10 years yeah. and never bowled again. My back was stuck. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, that was my aim to get to 100 wickets and yep. it happened in, in a, in a dead, dead rubber one afternoon and, yep. and all the boys went berserk <laughs> and... Uh, the opposition thought, well, you know, wasn't that that great a wicket? Um, but I was um, um, a medium, medium, medium pacer. pace, yeah. both ways, swing bowler. Yes, oh, dangerous. Bit of out swing. Yep. Bit of out. Just, swing. just annoy him, and then they'd go after you and get a few. Eh? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, you did your job because it was an average of twenty that you got those those hundred yeah, wickets. Yeah, those out, are. So. Yeah. You don't. You know, you got to be a decent bowler to get an average of twenty. Over that amount of games, 218 games, that's so over yep. a decent period of time. Yeah, well, I did it in about 70. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, bowling. So best bowling figures of 8 for 19 off 10.5, which is still an A-grade record, I believe. Correct. 
which also included a hat trick. Now you've got to talk us through that. Okay. So talk us through the three wickets. Okay. Well, you're almost almost correct. Um, eight for nineteen, and a hat trick. But the hat trick I actually took five for seven in the second innings. Four. Yeah, right. That's tidy. A, which was a, a game total of thirteen for twenty six. <laughs> and the hat trick. Yeah, the hat trick happened in the second innings. Okay. So. Um, Two bold and little gentle outswing starting on the leg stump. Yep. And just knocking the off stump out. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. And um, and the third one, a leading edge, caught and bold after I... Oh, you had to catch it too, did you? And I, I, I dropped, the, dropped it initially and oh, had no. to roll over and took it. Yeah, I still remember it very well. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah, that... Um, the 13 for 26 was was also a club record until about th- four years ago when Dave Fitzsimmons took 14 for something. Sheesh. So, yeah, That's pretty, a, pretty proud of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As you would be. So we've talking about all the good stuff so far. Let's move on to the not-so-good stuff, your, your performances with the stick. Um, so you've got the uh, so historic, some historical stats for you. Uh, ninth on the most ducks list with 13. Um, the third most expensive over with 27. Yes. Um, so did we just struggle with a bit of footwork there or what <laughs> yeah, let on? you down? Yeah. Uh, no, I still remember that day. It was against St Athanasius at Mawson, Lake, uh, Mawson High School oval and, yeah, I just had a, had a, a bad over and uh, this guy carded me for... Got I a think, hold of you. Three sixes and two fours and a single. Yeah, oh. that's all. Any lip on <laughs> from the batsman on that one, or there was a little bit. Yeah, yeah. a bit. Did yeah. you get the next over? That's the important thing. Uh, well, the captain I said that'll do for <laughs> a bit. I might have been captain. <laughs> I had to drag yourself. <laughs> I think I did. <laughs> um, so there are some nice little tidy stats for you, but you are a man of stats. What's your favourite? Stat or idiosyncrasy of, of the club? Wow. Okay, you said you were going to give me a couple of curly, couple of curly questions. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, the, the most incredible scoreline and grand final scoreline of all time, I think, is the 1991 uh, A-grade premiership, yeah. where the score was 17 goals, one... To 14, 14. Hundred points to ninety nine. We won by five points. Who's at the club now that would have been playing in that premiership? Uh, Brer. Yep. And Dudley. Yep. And um, Steve Timmy. Simon Roger. Yep. Simon Roger's brother Chris Roger kicked the point, so he got no. a, he got a. He shout that. after the game, surely. <laughs> but I've, I've been searching some records. Yeah. The, the best score, um, the most accurate score over 100 points in the AFL is 17 goals, three. Oh. There is no club that have scored... Kick straighter. Kick straighter, yeah. yeah. Was that also the grand final that we won with about oh, a minute to go or was um, that the 88 one? No, we no. I, I think that that would have been another one, but it was just that, you know, we we were the favourites. We'd won. This was against Smosh uh, West Lakes. So we'd won the se- second semi final quite easily. 
and we were we were the favourites for the grand final, and we were outplayed all day. We yep. had about eight. Uh, we, they had about eighty percent of the play, and but every time we got it down forward, we kicked a goal. Just made it count. Basically, yep. and uh, it was just yeah, just an incredible, cool stat. Um, so one thing that's pretty clear, Glads, is that you're a you know you're a sports club man. Um, not just footy or cricket, but you've been involved in committees or some sort of like administrative role in some way, shape or form for 44 years, basically, which is insane when you think about it. Um, I'll just rattle off some, just some of the um, uh, roles you've filled. We've got, uh, you've been on social committees, you've been president, secretary, footy ops, statistician, reunion organiser, historian. That's, you know, just a few we can name. Um why? You know, why not just step back? What what keeps you going? Why do you want to stay involved? Okay. Uh, that's – I've never been the president. Cricket club, no? Oh, president. Oh, yes. Yeah. Sorry, this is across footy across and the, cricket. Yeah. Yep. I've never been the president of the footy club. I've never been a coach, and that's probably one reason why I'm still <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> <Look, laughs> every, everything that I've done uh, with the club – I've enjoyed. Um, I started doing the stats back in 1977, and I did it for 40 years, and I've loved every minute of it. That that sort of evolved into doing collecting the history, writing the two books, and you know organising all the reunions, and and that's 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 always been um, great fun. And everything else I've done, yeah, I've enjoyed and. Uh, I've seen a lot of people that have done a lot more than me in a in a shorter amount of time, but have been burnt out. And yeah, um, I think that's that's been my secret that I've yeah been able to pace it yeah. over the years. And what about like what would you say to someone who's like interested in joining the committee? What would your advice be to them, or just getting involved with the club in some way? Oh, I would I would encourage it. Um, it's it's. Great learning exercise. I've seen so many people develop as people, club people, um, through the involvement in the committee. Um, the guys that I, yeah, my my, the favourite time of the year for me is the first game, and I I get to see and know the the new blokes and find out what they like, and the the ones that I really um, admire and appreciate the other ones that get involved off field very early, and I can name quite a few of those. Um, uh, and they and they yeah they all benefit from that that involvement. Okay, hundred uh, percent agree. It's it's something that I was um, I suppose coerced uh, in by Caleb. Um, Same Caleb Hopeless, <laughs> who was the president yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um, and I I'm, was really hesitant moving, like doing it, taking on the social committee stuff initially, but I'm so happy that I did do it. It took you to like a new side of the club that I hadn't seen before. Um, definitely got me out of my comfort, uh, my, my shell, my comfort zone. Um, yep. Yeah, and I know Zoobs, I think you're pretty similar. Um, yeah, I think... What the you went through as well. The thing I always say to people is like it's, it sounds silly and maybe overselling it a bit, but it's a transferable skill, you know, into your workplace and stuff yes. like that because yes. 
eventually you probably get high enough in some job where you have to sit around with people and talk about things and you can at least develop that. So why not, you know, work on that at a place you love um, and help the club grow? I think that's what gives me the most satisfaction. Yeah, like you said, just getting outside your comfort zone a little bit. I mean, probably you get a bit of appreciation what goes into just getting a team out in the park on any given day. That's correct. It's a lot of work. Yeah. That's correct. Um, now, I suppose for some of our newest club members, they might not know, but we actually wore a different Guernsey for about 30 years. We, we rocked the, uh, the North Melbourne uh, kangaroo Guernsey uh, for a long time. Um, I think, what did we t- change it over? 2015, I think it was? Correct. Um, so, yeah, we, we stepped away from what is now, you know, we reverted back to our traditional strip of the red, white and blue stripe. Um, what was the reason for actually doing this? Were you part of that committee that kind of organised that? Yeah, I know all about it. Yeah. <laughs> Fill us in. The, well, I call it the St Kilda style yep. Guernsey. This, uh, that was the Guernsey that um, was the first Guernsey that the club had. Um, I think in the first two years it borrowed other Guernseys. Um, but the first ones that they had made up were the old woolen, yep. um, red, white and blue stripes and... Um, I wore uh, that Guernsey for uh, most of my career and it, it, they were the same Guernsey. <laughs> yeah, the exact same one. <laughs> <laughs> and then in, uh, in the early... In, well, I think it was the same year that we moved to the Parklands, 1983, we had to get new Guernseys and it was just too expensive to get those old ones made up back then because... Yeah. Um, it was it was virtually cost prohibitive. The so three colours versus the two, yeah. To have yep. them properly made up. Yeah. So, so we could buy the North Melbourne Guernsey off the shelf for half the price and put a bit of red into it, <laughs> and, and that's and that's and that's what we did. Um, that was the re- that was the reason we did it, and it, it looked good. I, yeah. I, I I like the North melbourne style as well i've actually Um, got one i've got one from the 2012 premiership okay b grade premiership yeah so that's that served us well for 20 30 odd years um and uh now nowadays you know with with the way that they produce the guernseys it's uh, so much easier to, to get uh to get them made up and so yeah i was really i was really pleased when um, I think it was pl- the players decided. The players decided to yep. change back to the old original, and and I don't know. I, I don't know too many other clubs who who have that same Guernsey, the St Kilda stripes with the red, white, and blue. No, I think the, the oh, closest yeah. going around at the moment would be Goody Saints, but they've got a yellow and black yeah, instead yeah, of yeah. The, yeah. That's a good looking Guernsey, that's for yep. sure. I love it. Yeah, for what it's worth. Yep. Yes. Um. Now, you've seen some great players walk through the doors at Adelaide Lutheran. Yes. I'm just going to rattle a few off. Bob Paik. Is that how you say that name, by the way? Paik. Paik. Yes. Cool. I had to get clarification on that. And I still didn't believe it when I heard it, but Bob Paik. Um, to Simon Roger, Jeff Brereton, Tim Liebelt, Shane Munchenberg, Mark McFarlane, Brad Harper, Rowan Meagle. So, you know, who in your opinion is the best player you've seen at the club in your time? Okay. Well, I think, yeah, you've pretty well nailed... The shortlist. The shortlist. Yep. But Bob Paik definitely stands out. Um, so talk us through who was he, where did he play? Okay, Bob Paik, if you were at the reunion, he was he was one of the speakers. That's right. Um, 
Bob, uh, he was he was studying at the uh, at the seminary, and he came from New South Wales and never had played never played Aussie rules before he came to Adelaide Lutheran, and within a year he was playing A grade. Um, within two years he was winning best and fairest. After three years he was recruited by Glenelg, and uh, he ended up playing fifty league games for yep. Glenelg during uh, his stint with us. Um, and he was, yeah, he was just an amazing, um, an amazing player. I gather, just a little side note, but I gather, you know, he must be fairly decent because he once kicked 30 goals six yes. in one game while playing away in uh, Richardor, Queensland. Yes. So it's yes. a fair bag. Yeah, that's, that's when he was, um, he was on Vicarage uh, for a year from his seminary studies and Went up there and kicked thirty goals in a game. <laughs> Just yeah. a lazy day out. Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> and um, going back through the history books and and your book in particular, the a bulldog for me, the where this uh, podcast gets its namesake from. Um, there's a lot of familiar players or familiar names starting to pop up again. Um, so, what was it like playing with guys like Andy Cowell? Brendan Meagle, Robert Borges, Tim Stoles, now Paul Kidney. Now and, and now that you get to see their kids running around on, on the home deck, um, what's it like? What's that mean to you? Like, is it nice just sitting back and kind of, um, I suppose, thinking about the romance of a, a true sort of family club and seeing the boys come through? Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, it's something we never thought about in the old days, <laughs> but to, to see that happening now is it's just fantastic. And... Uh, um, uh, uh, to see, you know, someone like um, Tim Kidney, he's, he's he's just such a ripping lad. He's turned up, um, he's turned up. He's made friends with everyone, and and his dad was just like that as well. Yep. Um, and uh, his dad won a best and fairest. Yep. And yeah, and I reckon Tim will, you know, possibly be there one day t- as well. Definitely shaping that way. Um, does it? Ever surprise you to see these family names back at the club time and time again? No, it doesn't. No, well, oh, it doesn't surprise me. Um, th- uh, I would have hoped to have seen a lot more. This, yeah. you know, we've had um, uh, a, a number of sons of who have gone on to do um, some big things. Some big things. Grokies, for instance, the Grokey yeah. boys. Um, but you know, I think the ones that have come out has been fantastic, and uh, uh, you know, maybe we can go for grandsons of uh, <laughs> legends in the future. <laughs> well, I mean, TK and Rowie have both got kids oh, now, yes. so um, whether it be father or daughter, um, son or daughter combo, they could both yes. both women get the women's club back up and running. Yes. Um, do you actually remember seeing any of these kids running around the in the oh, change yes. rooms? Yeah, yes, for sure. Is there anyone that kind of stood out at the time? You think, oh, geez, that kid's got just a bit of natural talent about him. Uh, not sure about that. Um, I remember uh, a lot of them being quite naughty at uh, <laughs> at working bees. <laughs> there's a the great, There's a story about uh, we had a working bee, and uh, the great the grokey boys. Um, painted the side of Kevin Richardson's <laughs> car. <laughs> How happy was he about that? It was. It was like the um, when I say painted, it was the the brushes were. Just know, bring your microphone the, up. Sorry. The brushes were in the water. You yeah. Know, and they, <laughs> and they um, decided to 
um, bit of artwork. Dry them out on the side of his car, which yeah, that was that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> speaking about family, um, Adelaide Lutherans, I believe we met your beautiful wife Andrea. Yes. So we just met Andrea before walking through the door, but Correct. you know, tell us about her. How exactly did you meet? Was it the, okay. a social function or how did that come about? Yeah, well, I met her through the club, yep. and um, she used to work at the Pizza Hut with uh, a number of other people, with John Grokey, and and uh, he he invited all the girls out, and I noticed her on the sidelines, and oh. yeah, it took a f- took a little while, but uh, yeah, yeah um, it eventually happened. Excellent. I love hearing stories about that. Still happens now. Still happens yes. now. Yep. Yeah. Um, so we did this with Duffy, and I think we're going to try it with everyone we interview. I, I call it Player Association. So I'm just going to give you some names of people you would have played with, and just in you know brief, concise sort of sentences, just sum them up, whatever comes to your head straight away when I say them. Um, so, Bolks, you will start. Uh, Bob Pike. Bob Pike. Well, I've gone through that. He was... He was um he was an absolute true athlete and a great footballer and a great great club person as well, yes. Peter Miller. Peter Miller was my uh, was the captain of the first premiership. Um, not as good a player as Bob Paik. Uh, <laughs> he admits that as well. He was a gritty half-back flanker who was a, a great club person. Kim Wellant. Kim Wallant. Um I think Kim was the first person to give me a lift home from my first training. There you um, go. And yeah, he was uh, he was a, a very good contact and friend back in those early days. Um, Steve Janky, Yank. This is this is the um, original Yank because his brother Chris played. Is that a soft J? Is it Yankee? Is it or? No, 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 it's it's pronounced Yank. Oh, okay, but, sorry, but, I thought I was pronouncing it wrong. Yank, Yank was he was always known as Yank right. and wore the number six, and he yeah, he was a, a very tough um, um, inside player who um, was very protective of everyone that played <laughs> with him. Uh, Ian Williams, Foss Williams. Um, Foss is uh, a true legend of the club. He he played a similar amount of games to me, but he he went away and played for um, Mount Torrens, I think, at one stage, and he came back. When we were in a bit of a crisis. 1983, the year that we um, moved to the Parklands, uh, was our worst ever year. Um, our A grade, B, B grade didn't win a game. A grade only won one. We were, we were in strife and Foss uh, took on the coaching role and rebuilt the club and within three years we had an A-grade premiership and in 1986 and five years later we had, we had another, three, another two premierships. So, yeah, he is right up there. Uh, Chris Janke? Chris Janke, yeah. Um, the, young, the young Yank... Uh, a great player. He he started playing with us when he was for us when he was fifteen, and uh, yeah, he's he's a, a true legend of the club. And John Robinson, John Robinson Chubo. I mentioned him earlier. No. Yeah, he was uh, he was the ultimate club person. Um, who passed away about ten years ago. Um, uh, a great great friend who's sadly missed. Um, so I suppose after all this time. Um, 
is the spirit or the essence of Adelaide Lutheran still here? Can you can you still like after um, after almost thirty years here as a, a club member? Can you still relate to the club? Most definitely, I think it's almost as strong as ever. Yeah. Um, and it's what I tried to um, relay in the in the book about the true spirit of of Adelaide Lutheran, a bulldog for me. What it all means to us. Um, I, I love it when I hear the you guys. And all the the new blokes singing that song um, yep. with with passion. I think it's uh, it's a, a great great thing for the future. Cool. Well, that just about does it. Yep. We're out of time. Can We're I, done. How good was that, eh? Can I can I say one more thing? You can. Absolutely. <laughs> um, as you know, the um, the sports club are doing a fundraising effort at the moment, and um, Three guys have done an amazing job to get to where we are now with the redevelopment plans, and that's um, Stolly, Tim Stolzno, Simon Roger, and Mark Borges. And um, they um, they need they need help. They need people to donate. They've um, just asked me to help out uh, coordinating the fundraising uh, campaign, which I'm happy to do. And I just like to. Pass on the message to to all uh, club members and past players and friends to think um, think about what the club has done for all of you over the over the years and and what you can do to to help the club go in the future. Um, uh, the, the redevelopment plans are pretty critical, I think, for for the future development of the of the club. And uh, if you can help out now, it would would be greatly appreciated absolutely well what we'll do we'll chuck the uh, there's a couple of donation links um out yep. there we'll chuck them in the show notes um so people can reach out to them also probably be able to find them in the emails that monkey sends out yep uh, every week yes um but i suppose another way to raise some money is actually purchasing one of the books that you've actually written for us Ex- exactly yeah look there's look there's still at least 40 copies left um if someone wanted to get one, how would they get it? Uh, there's a link on the website. Yep. Or you can p- purchase it behind the bar. Uh, Fifty dollars each. There's two thousand dollars worth of donation, basically, to the club sitting there, ready to go. And, and it's a good read. What? Yeah. What's actually in the book? Well, it's um, it, it's it's a, a summary of of all the years. It's a, a summary of all the premierships, all the stats, um, and. What I think is the best part of it is the stories at the back, and there's my story that you can uh, that you can read about. But we had about 20 guys who who wrote their stories, and there's some absolute classics there. Yeah, I mean, there were so many. Like, obviously, we've only got so much time, but there were so many. Myself, I wanted to go into. You know, um, there was an infamous story about going around your place after a premiership night one time. I think yes. there's a bunch of very interesting photos. And Tim Kidney, if you're listening, there's a lot of interesting photos of your father <laughs> yes. in there, yes. dressing up and whatnot. So, um, you know, the rivalry with Port Presbyterian. There's so much in there, and I found it really interesting. And it's a cracker of a book. Sits on my coffee table at home. Um, I know when my dad came over, um, he loves it and playing footy and wants to get to know the club, he's flicked through it and read it himself, found it very interesting. So couldn't recommend yeah. any more highly. Well worth a read. Thank you yep. very much. Um, so like I said, that's it. You know, we're done. Um, we just got a few sort of like housekeeping things to finish up with, which are 
sort of leftover things from last podcast. Despite how successful it was, Bolts, can you believe we received some criticisms? I don't believe it, but fill me in. <laughs> so, first one is we got some names wrong. We did. We did. Which I must admit, this is what I'm putting it down to, right, is um, sort of first game nerves. Yep. yep. You know, I said Matthew Richardson. I met Mark. Well, Matthew Richardson just plugging around. Exactly. Hayden Scharenberg. Yep. I've been calling him that his whole There's life. Scharenberg. 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 <laughs> and uh, he's too polite to correct me. He is. He I've is. been saying that to his face for God knows how long. Actually, funny story, I actually found out so we've been pronouncing Scoey's name incorrectly for the last 10 yes, years as well. Yes, there's another one. Schofield. Yeah. I had no idea. Anyway, we didn't mention him last episode, so yeah. you don't get an apology, Scoey. There was also some um, you know, discussion around the length. As well. And what I say to that is, uh, look, I can't help that Duff likes to talk <laughs> is the first point I say to everybody. The man can talk. And the other thing is too, I found a you know, there's nothing stopping you from pressing pause and going away and doing something else for a little while, you know. But you wouldn't because it's that enthralling. Exactly. The time, so. so people didn't do yeah. that. That's the thing. And, you know, the analytics I can see on the back end suggest that it as well. That. High engagement. I think we've even had a, a listener in the United States. So if Yes, you look yes. At we States. have literally gone international. There was I'd a like, United States listener. I'd like to thank my auntie Chris for that. <laughs> um, but, but seriously, if anyone's actually got some feedback, feel free to throw it our way or any suggestions on interviews, people that we could interview. Um, this would be for all three clubs, so netball, football and cricket. Yes, this isn't just a footy thing. Um, yeah, whole sports club thing. Yeah. Um, the other couple of things, I remember the last one when we did it, we had a sponsor at the start. That was more just a, like, you know, here's where a sponsor plug could go. Yep. I organised that through Noodles um, Company. So we're looking for a sponsor, you know, if you want to get more exposure, a few hundred people listen to this podcast, so you, there's an audience. And um, the other thing is too, as I said, there we'd give away some doggy dollars to someone if they promoted the podcast. Um, and to be quite honest, I forgot about it. <laughs> so um, on the way here, I was like, oh, gee, I better give that to someone. So I had a quick look who promoted it, and I've just chosen uh, James Johnston, JJ. Good on, JJ. So he get $25, doggy dollars. Um, we'll get that to you. Don't worry about the mechanics of that. We'll find you. Um, enough of that rambling. Just had to get that out there. So I'd like to thank everyone for their time so thank you Bolks pleasure thank you thank you Glads no problems and thanks to everyone for listening